Hello, listeners of the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Burdine, and this is the second time you're hearing me this week. And that's because we have a special podcast. Uh, Matt Provatsky, who um, some of you know from reading uh, art, these articles or following him on Twitter, he has been covering, along with Kate Sophia, um, the Golden Gophers, the uh, Gophers women's soccer team. And um, doing a fantastic job of it. So every weekend when they play, there's a recap uh, at the beginning of the week. Uh, he's live tweeting this stuff. And um, he is uh, he has a special podcast for us. So I'm introducing him so that you don't uh, get freaked out by this stranger on your uh, in your earbuds or something. Um, uh, Matt sat down with Coach Stephanie Golan from, uh, from the U of M. And they talked a lot about a lot of things. But, you know, it, it's all in part to... Uh, gear up toward uh, this weekend, Friday, October 6th. Uh, the Gophers are playing at home to Indiana. Then on Sunday, they play to another destitute uh, Indiana, Indiana team, Purdue. Both terrible universities have never produced anyone interesting. And uh, and so you can go check them out. It's 6 p.m. on Friday, 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, but I will not bore you any, any longer. Um, I do want to say, if you like this stuff... Please support uh, 551 uh, via Patreon. Patreon, um, it, it, you know, like two dollars a month or whatever. Like lots of people do small amounts. Or if you are uh, wealthy and you have uh, no regard for money, uh, more than that. I, I don't. I, I don't know. But um, thank you to the to the U of M for being so accommodating, Steph, uh, Coach Golan, and uh, and I'll, I'll let uh, after big quarters plays, I will let Matt take over the show. Okay, so I'm here with Gopher coach Stephanie Golan, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, her background and how she got into coaching before uh, Rock the Robbie coming up on Friday, pretty big weekend. So uh, coach, even for fans who have started following the team this year, they may not know kind of your background, and I kind of wanted to start from the beginning <laughs> and about like how you got into soccer originally. Uh, originally, originally, um, you know, since I started walking, I had a ball at my feet. My dad was an all-American goalkeeper at the Air Force Academy. And so, uh, you know, I have an older brother, myself and two younger brothers. Um, my older brother does not have an athletic bone in his body. He has a lot of things that he's great at, but athletics was not one of them. So, uh, so I kind of became the, the guinea pig, um, grew up in a neighborhood of all boys. So every sport that was available, we were playing outside every day, uh, and competing against the, the boys, which is is a lot of fun. Um, played multiple sports, but soccer was the one that uh, that that I just fell in absolute love with, and uh, you know played for a great club team growing up uh, just outside of St. Louis. Had a lot of opportunities um, of where I was going to play. Ended up going to Duke University and playing there. Um, when you graduate from Duke, you're supposed to go to law school, med school, business school, or go to New York or D.C. and make a lot of money right away. So I bucked that trend and um, started as a, as a grad assistant at a small D1 program that hadn't won a game in a long time, I feel like, um, where the, the kids had to pay for a lot of their gear. So you go from playing in a top 25 program where you have everything 
to the coaching side where the kids have to provide a lot of their own stuff and you get an idea of whether or not this is really what you what you want to do. It's easy to want to do it when you're a part of a great program, but when you're a part of a program that doesn't have anything, that's really going to tell you where it stands. And I had started my MBA. It was about three months into it, and I'm sitting in finance class where every equation builds off of the one before, and I looked up at the board, and there were like six equations, and I, I looked at my sheet of paper, and I had a list of recruiting calls I had to make. So I think I figured out pretty quickly that I really didn't need an MBA for anything because this is what I wanted to do. So that's, uh, that's kind of how it started. <laughs> And what influence did your dad have on you kind of getting into the game yeah. at a higher level and not just like playing in college, but then that decision to kind of get into coaching. And then like you said, once you got a taste of it, it felt right. But what kind yeah. of influence did he have in you getting into that line of um, profession? You know, I think uh, like I played for my dad. My dad was my coach until high school um, and we played, you know, he had started a club in St. Charles and our team like we competed at a really high level, but we would we were never going to beat that top team. And so as we're going into high school, he kind of said, look, you guys need to get exposure to be able to have more options. So, yeah, we my team kind of um, divided between the two major clubs in, in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, fortunately, the club I ended up with. Um, you know, we won the state cup final seven zero. We're playing in the in the final of every tournament. So we're going to nationals and all of that. So, um, when uh, when I had the opportunity to go to Duke, um, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. I don't think he thought it was as cool because uh, I didn't go to an academy. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, he uh, when when I when I called them to let them know that I was gonna take the the coaching route. Um, at first, I was getting lectured because, again, when you graduate from Duke, you're supposed to use that degree to make a lot of money or go to more school and set yourself up to make a lot of money. And, you know, my response to my to my dad at the time, I remember it vividly, was you waited until you were in your 50s to really do what you wanted to do with your with yourself professionally. I'm going to go ahead and do that now. You don't have to pay for anything. Like, I'm going to be paying for my housing, my car, like every everything else. And I can always go back and use my Duke degree if this isn't the route that I want to go but I I have the opportunity to do it now so that's what I'm going to do and it wasn't until I went to West Point that he actually was excited about it <laughs> um and you know uh like I'll, I'll never forget like you know um when when I became the head coach at West Point that was the the first time that my dad actually you know was proud of me for uh for for going this route and you know when um when I had the opportunity to come out here and uh, an interview for the the job at Minnesota, um, yeah, I think he thought I was a little crazy, like leaving the setup that that we had at uh, at West Point. And and I loved West Point. I loved everything about it. I love everything that it that it stood for. I love what we were setting those those kids up to up to do. But from an athletic competitive standpoint, there was kind of a glass ceiling, and we had hit it, you know, and I was just going to be beating my head off of, off of that forever. And I actually didn't want to come and even go through the interview process at, at Minnesota because I always assumed when I left West Point that I would go someplace warm. Um, and so when Minnesota called, I was like, do I even return this call? You know, like, what do I do? And, uh, I had a couple of my mentors who, uh, who stepped in and said, you know, go and go through the process. You can always say no if it's not right. And, you know, I'm really, you know, 
five and a half years later, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in my sixth season here now. Like, I'm so glad that I took that advice because when I came out and I went through the process, you know, I think the, the Robbie field had just been redone and, you know, you're sitting here and you're like, look at all the resources, look at everything that you have. Um, this was a, a great decision. And, you know, my dad is certainly uh, probably the biggest fan of, of Gopher soccer right now. And he has no problem telling me when he thinks that we're terrible, too. So um, it's a it's a love-hate relationship in a, in a lot of ways. Mostly love, but sometimes I just don't need somebody else's opinion. So it's, it's great. <laughs> and what was it? I mean, when you came to Minnesota... Did it kind of match what you were expecting? I mean, how you've been here long enough now where you've kind of established this culture and you've kind of set up your program, but what has changed kind of since you came here from what you were expecting or what has changed even once you've got here and started learning how to change yeah. how you do things here? Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, when I when I first got here, I mean, it was sh such a short turnaround period. Um, you know, and I and I learned very quickly. There were a lot of players coming off of postseason surgeries. There, it was a smaller roster than what I was what I was used to. Um, you know, but there were a lot of things that were in place that were great in terms of a building block. Like the team was super gritty, hardworking. Um, you know, fit um, on a on a whole. Uh, so from a standpoint of defensively. Uh, the mentality and those kind of things. Um, I, I think that that was that was pretty well established. Um, it it was certainly a process to bring in players as well as be able to adapt the players who are here towards what we are now from an attacking standpoint. You know, like that was one of the things I was very careful about was not just flipping the script and you know trying to get everything changed to how I'm comfortable and how I want this thing to, to be done when that's not what was recruited for, you know? Um, and so I think the first like two years for sure, if not a little bit longer than that, um, I was very outside of my own comfort zone trying to meet the group where it was at um, and not get frustrated with the inability to uh, to be where we are now from an attacking standpoint in terms of keeping the ball, moving the ball, the movement off the ball, uh, combination play in the final third. Like all, all of those things are pieces that like I, I just absolutely love, but that we didn't have the horses to be able to, to do early on. And so um, I, I think that that's the, the piece that has taken the longest to build. Um, I think from a defensive standpoint and stuff, we're very similar to what it's been for a long period of, of time. You know, like I, like I said, I think um, I didn't come in with, with a bare cupboard. I just came in with a different cupboard. Um, and, and I think that we did a really good job. And I think, you know, keeping Crystal on the, on the staff was, was a huge part of being able to, uh, being able to build off the foundation that was here because she was a part of that group and I think um, you know she's uh, she's done a great job on the on the defensive side you know continuing to work with those with those players and defining that piece of, of Minnesota soccer for sure and you talked a little bit about coming here and the weather and anytime anyone <laughs> talks about recruiting yeah. professionally at the college mm -hmm. level it always comes up because it's a legitimate thing yeah. that it's probably the one thing people know about Minnesota it's cold yeah. does that change how you're able to recruit players from outside or does it also change the type of players you mm. get 
who are here locally? I mean, what does it do? I think it's a little bit of both, um, you know, because I think that players from around here, there's some who just immediately they they want to go someplace warm. They want to get out of here. They want to go and do something different for the four years, and it doesn't mean that we don't still put our best foot forward and try to recruit those kids, but we also know at the end of the day that it's very likely that they're going to, they're going to take that step to go someplace else, which is which is totally fine because part of what we love about our group is that they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and, and stuff like they, they use some of the things that people from the outside looking in see as disadvantages of reasons why we're tougher, we're, you know, we've got a better mentality, all, all of those pieces. We, we hit that piece head on when we're trying to recruit from other places. You know, the first thing that we send out is, um, hey, we know uh, the first thing you think about is the frozen tundra, and it does get cold here, <laughs> you know, but let's talk about what it's like during the fall season. Let's talk about, um, you know, let's talk about the soccer side of things, what what we're building here and what we've, uh, what we've established and, you know, what it would be like for you to play under this, this style of play and everything else. From an academic standpoint, we have so much to offer, and then on top of it, you look at uh, at everything that this area offers. Like the Twin Cities is an unbelievable environment to, to go to, to school in. I mean, like that's one of the best parts about moving my, my family here is they're never bored. You know, like I can be out of town as much as I am and not worry that they're like twiddling their thumbs saying, what do we do? You know, there's so much, uh, there, there's so much around here, both, um, you know, things that you can go and do inside, things that you can do outside. And I, I think that that's one of the things that's fascinated me the most is how active people are when it is cold. And the uh, from from our standpoint, we don't skip a beat when we're going through that time of year because we have the facilities that we need to still train the way that, that we want to. And so we hit it head on. Um, you know, we obviously we try to bring kids out to, to visit during our season so that they see that it's not that all the time and they can see how, how gorgeous this is. But we also want them to come and visit when it is like that because we don't want kids to be surprised. We don't want them to feel like we tried to hide any any aspect of it. So we try to show it at its best, which for us is like right now, you know, and then we try to show it when it's when it's a little bit tougher. And, you know, do you have what it takes? Do you have the mentality? Do you want that challenge that comes along with it, um, you know, because there's there's a lot of top programs that don't contend with that piece. But for for us, we think that's part of what makes us unique. So we we hit it uh, we hit it head on for sure. And you've talked a little bit when we've spoken before about you're really excited about your upcoming class, and mm -hmm. I think they don't officially sign until winter, so we won't talk about yeah. specifics. But I know, you know, you've been to the tournament a couple years in a row. You've had a long string of success. You've had a pretty established record of competing in the Big Ten, making it to the national tournament, competing there, and also sending folks on to play professionally, both in Europe and getting some opportunities domestically. Are you... Do you feel like there's a limit to what a Midwestern cold climate school can do? Or are you still climbing and able to kind of take those steps and even be competing at an even deeper national level? We would like to do that. You know, um, like I look at it and I look on a, on a whole, I think one of the most storied programs in the, in the country um, in, in women's soccer who faces some of the similar challenges would be Notre Dame. And they, you know, they've got uh, national championships um, in there 
in, in their past. And so I think it's possible. I certainly think that it's more difficult, um, you know, but I, I don't see any reason for us not to aspire to kind of take that, that next level. I mean, that's one of the things that I looked at when I was looking at the at the job was, you know, they, they've been the Sweet 16s here, you know. Uh, it, you know, we we certainly, the first piece that we wanted to, to get to was where we got back to the tournament on a consistent basis, um, which hopefully we're going to continue to, to do. Um, but that consistency of getting there and that becoming more of an expectation, um, I think is super important before you start taking the, the steps of, the depth that you're you're getting to in the in the tournament because that's one of the things I looked at is I said okay they went to the sweet 16 then they didn't go to the tournament then they went to the sweet 16 then they didn't go to the the tournament and you know we want that tournament piece to be kind of the the expectation um and once you once you establish that I think the expectation of going deeper um is is certainly is certainly there so mm -hmm. And you, for anyone who's been to a game and they watch kind of your demeanor on the pitch compared to like opposing coaches, I brought this up when I'm live tweeting or when I put in the stories online. There, a lot of other coaches are really, truly like screaming, mm -hmm. kind of losing their minds, kind of trying to actively coach like play by play, step yeah. by step and change what players are doing. And you're very consistently kind of you make you talk about making adjustments at half you talk about yeah. making adjustments before but it seems like the girls are out there playing their game the way it's set up to be done and they're playing and you're coaching yep. and it's not so much of a blend can you talk a little bit about kind of your coaching philosophy and kind of how your playing career maybe fed into how you coach these girls yeah I mean I think um at, at the end of the day sport is such a vehicle to be a lesson in life in general and one of the things that at this time in their lives that's really important is that they develop self-confidence and that they develop the ability to be decision makers and um and to live with the consequences of those decisions both good and bad and you know uh every every opportunity that they're out there is an opportunity for them to to grow and develop and so you know throughout the course of the week at training we certainly set them up to uh to, to fail um, and uh, you know to learn from uh, to learn from that and you know they they get uh, they get a lot of feedback during the the course of the week and then on game day you know I think I think that there's so many things that we can't control and we're not stepping out there and playing the game and so you know we're we're trying to help players as they're coming off you know we're we're trying to help them see and obviously. There's going to be times where we're making adjustments during it, but we're not screaming our heads off and, and all of that because I think that um, what uh, the demeanor that we give off, they're going to mimic. And if, if we stay constant um, when the highs are high and the lows are low, we stay you know right in the right in the middle. I think that they're able to get through those those moments a little bit easier and and better. So. You'll notice when players come off, they're getting immediate feedback. You know, when players are getting ready to go on, somebody's like talking to them about different things that they need to do. And at halftime, we're certainly making some adjustments. Um, you know, but on a on a whole, we feel like we've got a really good group. We feel like we have some things that define who we are as a as a program and our style of play. And we feel pretty good about their ability to execute and. You know the games are are a test of 
our ability to implement and influence throughout the, the course of the week. And, you know, I think our internal leadership has consistently gotten better and stronger um, on game day to where they're able to do some of that too. Because while here and in our environment, I think that they can hear us uh, pretty pretty well from the, the sideline, there's a lot of environments we go into where they, they can't. And so if we're over there screaming like crazies um, during the, the course of a game, they can't even hear us. You know, so what's that doing other than raising their anxiety levels and stuff of what's coach trying to, trying to say? So we're, we're very calculated with the way that we, that we do things. You know, like, uh, like at Rutgers, there, there were moments where you know, we're calling somebody over to the sideline to disseminate a message to the rest of the players on the, on the field because we know we can't get that message out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, from from my standpoint, uh, the only time you'll see me get super animated is if, uh, if I think that um, there's inconsistency in decisions that are being made uh, from the officials and if there's um, – Moments where I think our player's safety is in, is in jeopardy. Those are the moments that you're going to see us go a little bit crazy. And you're, I mean, you're, it does carry forward. The players are obviously, especially now, and I mentioned this in the recap from last week, other teams now are especially starting to get physical with you, but in kind of a reactive way, in a, in a way where you start the game physical, mm-hmm. you're physical throughout, you protect mm-hmm. the ball, you're able to play with, with your shoulders, with your hips. Yep and really kind of work a very legal, physical mm-hmm. style of play. Mm-hmm. And other teams now have started to respond to that by, yeah. tr- by trying to mirror it, but it's in such a reactive way mm-hmm. that it almost seems like it's meant to get a reaction. But really, I don't think I've ever seen almost any reaction at yeah. all out of players. I yeah. mean, that seems really unique to me, especially at the college level, yeah. where if you watch... I mean, frankly, if you watch like men's basketball or men's football, those players yeah. are losing their minds. Like they have, yeah. the, I mean, they may be composed, but they're reacting yeah. really extremely. Yeah, well, but it's pretty level by your team. Yeah, we we've had some moments um, this year, but those moments are also like very quickly pointed out, and those moments are very quickly this is unacceptable. You know, it's one thing to play hard; it's another thing to to be cheap about it. Mm-hmm. And um, you yeah, know, we think we have a, a pretty good balance of that I mean just the way that we ask our team to defend makes other teams uncomfortable because like watching other teams film they're so often where their their kids are like standing people up from three to five yards away thinking they're actually putting teams under pressure and if you're going to do that to us hey we'll take all that time and space in the in the world because every day at training we're defending our own team the way that we're asking them to defend other people so I think uh, because our training environment and the standard that we set is very high, um, even when we're put under a little bit more pressure, that's what they see every single day. So we deal with it a little bit better um, on a whole. There have definitely been games where, uh, where I feel like teams come in a little bit late and from behind and things like that that it takes us out of our element for a little while. Um, but I think as the season progresses, you're going to see us adjust to that a little bit better than what we have as well. Mm-hmm. And kind of back to a little bit of, I think it's fewer than half of the coaches in the Big Ten are women. And this is, I mean, this yeah. is obviously, we're talking about women's soccer, and yet yeah. fewer than half the coaches are women. I mean, what's it like for you coaching in that space? And kind of does it change the way that players 
respond to the program knowing that a woman is actually leaving the program? Does it does it make people more interested? Do they find do they say, oh, there's someone who's played women's college soccer before? I mean, how do players respond? And then how do you kind of respond to those dynamics when it's clearly still not um, balanced in terms of gender. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, when, when we make a choice to get into this profession, we kind of know that. We kind of know it's, uh, I mean, ath college athletics as a whole is, you know, good old boys network and, and stuff. And so, you know, it's something where um, I've probably always been more comfortable in that kind of environment. I've got three brothers, grew up in a, in a neighborhood with all guys, like, that's more my mentality. I mean, my dad's a military guy, you know, so uh, I, I think you certainly, you certainly notice it at times, you know, and you, you feel, uh, I, I think that there's times where you feel extra pressure to be more successful because, um, you know, there's certainly elements at times where people feel like uh, you get looks for things just because you're female and there aren't a ton who are there. So you feel like you're kind of flying that flag a little bit and, and you want to, you want to do that in, um, in a respectful yet, uh, determined sort of, uh, sort of way. Uh, I think you, you start to, uh, you start to look around and, you know, try to find other people who are like you, um, that, can be a mentor, can kind of uh, help you through like the moments that are tough. And I think, you know, there are times where we cheer for one another a little bit harder uh, and try to help one another throughout the season a little bit more um, because you want, you want there to be more opportunities and you want more younger women to be interested in getting in and staying in for the, for the long, uh, the long haul of this. I think a lot, a lot of women when they start having families is when you see them kind of make the decision to go the other way and you want them to be able to look around and see women who are doing both at a, at a really high level from a player standpoint, you know, um, I don't know. Well, and who are those coaches for you or who are those uh, other people for you that you either look up to or people who have asked you to kind of give some advice? I mean, who are some of those people that have kind of, reached yeah, I mean, like, parts? you know, when, um, when I was expecting Travis, um, you know, I was an assistant at Pitt at the time and the West Virginia coach, uh, Nikki Izzo Brown, she was expecting her second kid. Like they were actually born like three days apart. Uh, and, and she made a very conscious effort to spend extra time and say, you can do both. Um, and if you ever feel like you're you're struggling, you know, don't hesitate to to reach out. Um, you know, Shelly Smith down at South Carolina um, has, has certainly been super super successful, and you know has has a family. Um, you know, there's there's other women who um, who have certainly achieved success at a at a high level who don't have the family part of it that, that comes along with it, with the kids and everything else that you deal with. I mean, like I'm sick today because of my kids. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a, that's a part of it. I think, you know, I have a lot of younger women, um, who are assistants looking to be head coaches who you're on the road, who ask, Hey, you know, can we sit down sometime? Um, you know, I've had Travis out recruiting with me since he was like, I guess he was probably 18 months the first time he was he was out there and he doesn't even like soccer and he just it's just time that he gets to spend with me and he gets to go to cool places and you know I think that when people see that and they see you consciously integrating you know the the two pieces together they start to think yeah you know this is something that I could I could maybe do um 
you know, I think, uh, you know, Crystal, um, you know, she's got two young boys and, you know, uh, we, we talk all the time about the challenges that, that come along with it. You know, there's times when we're in the office and I swear we're just whining and complaining about, uh, about how hard it is at different times, but it's very comforting when you, when you're working with somebody who's facing those same challenges so that when it is hard, you don't feel like you're closed off and alone and, and all of those things, you're kind of getting through it together. And I mean, Crystal's going to be, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll work with her as long as she wants to, wants to be here, but she'll be a great head coach when she steps into, into that role as, as well. So, um, you know, you just, again, you just try to keep focused and do what you do what you can. And, uh, Hope that uh, hope that you're doing both pieces of your life uh, justice as you're as you're trying to balance both. Well, and you talked a little bit about your staff. I mean, uh, as a head coach, that's one element at the college level where you're kind of a general manager. You're really bringing in your own players. You're also doing the coaching side and the tactics, mm-hmm. and then you're managing the staff. I mean, for you. How do you strategically use those staff members and kind of who on your staff kind of owns which parts of, yeah. of the team for you? So, um, you know, when, when I got here, uh, what was what was kind of funny is like at um, at Army, I did all of our team defending and stuff like and uh, and, and that was because I was a I was a defender in college. And, you know, as a coach, that's just kind of where you get stuck a lot is where you played as a um, as a as a college player. Your you know, your bosses are like, oh, well, obviously you're going to be good with the back four. So that's where you're going. And so when I when I came in and you know when I made the decision to to keep uh, Crystal on staff and she's a super young coach at the at the time, um, I had to figure out how I could utilize her. You know because when when you try to do absolutely everything, you run yourself ragged and it's not fun for anybody. So you know I knew um, through our conversations and everything else that that's a piece, that's the side of the ball that she felt very confident in her and her ability. So right off the bat that's uh that that's been that's been kind of her her baby of you know within the general scope of how like I want the the whole thing to to be she manages that that piece and anytime we're doing anything with defending she's running the running the sessions and you know I'm doing the uh the attacking side of the ball the possession piece the ball movement the final third all all of that kind of stuff and then you know Brad um is uh, he's he's doing the goalkeepers, um, and as we get out of the fall season and into the spring, we'll start integrating him into other aspects of the of the team. Um, just by nature of when he's hired, and we didn't have any sessions left in the in the spring, you you don't just throw somebody into the into the mix of it. So he'll get his his feet a little bit wet in the in the spring from a coaching standpoint. Um, all three of us are on the road recruiting. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, we we've got SJ doing uh, doing all things operations and gosh, SJ fundraising. Um, she's she's taken a, a big piece of uh, of that, which has been awesome. Alumni relations, a uh, little bit of little bit of everything, and you know, with Crystal starting to get her uh, the last two years, um, she's managed uh manage the budget um because i think it's important to get her involved in some bigger piece of the program that a lot of people don't get until they're head coaches so that when she does take that step it's not everything all at once like (laughs) what is this um 
but uh, just just trying to figure out ways that we can utilize everybody's strengths, uh, but at the same time, challenge them to where they're going to continue to grow. Because uh, mm -hmm. if everybody does what they're comfortable with all the time, mm -hmm. nobody's going to grow at all. We're just going to kind of stay stay in the uh, in the status quo range, and that's not where we want to be. Mm -hmm. And you talk about developing those staff so they're ready to go on to mm -hmm. kind of bigger opportunities, but also, especially this year, it's been kind of a highlight, but you as a college coach, because the women's game is kind of the way it is, have kind of served as a big time booster, but also in some ways had to serve as a little bit of a, like a coordinator and agent type <laughs> role for graduates who are trying to pursue opportunities. What's that been like trying to get players ready when they graduate and then they go for those opportunities, especially when it's in places like Europe? Yeah, I think, um, I, I think there's a few things. I think one, I think as a, as a whole, we do a really good job of developing players. You know, like if you look and you look at, like you look at our back line and let's just look at, uh, at Tori. Okay. Tori is a team captain for us this year as a, as a senior. She starts every game. Um, Tori's a freshman, like hardly played. Um, Maddie Gaffney, you know, again, like has developed into a stud back there. Didn't really play a whole heck of a lot early in, in her career. And people are going, what are you doing recruiting these kids? And, you know, um, and I, and I think that there's, uh, we, we have a lot of examples like that of kids who came in and who's, um, whose presence and whose impact grew over the course of time to put them in, in the position where they start like even thinking about taking those, those steps. Um, you know, Tara started all, all four years. Um, Simone started mu much of her career. Josie as well. Rashida hardly played as a freshman and stuff, you know. And so I, I think that the trajectory of, of players um, is always in an upward direction, uh, which, I, which I think is, is really, really cool. And that's part of the fun of being at a place like Minnesota is that you get a lot of those, those kids who have a lot of pieces but are lacking in different areas that some of the kind of the programs that you think of as being the, the top tier kind of pass over because there's other kids who are a little bit more complete but we feel like because these kids aren't there yet that there's more room for that growth and that they probably have a little bit more inside them um, to give. And so uh, I, I think that our program sets you up for that. It sets you up to, to have that, uh, that continual growth. And I think that there's some kids who didn't originally come in thinking, yeah, I want to play at the next level, who by the time they're in there that last year, well, maybe I do want to think about this. And, you know, we just, um, we, we try to develop relationships with, with people who are going to be able to help them take that next step. Mm -hmm. And who are some of those, those players you mentioned, kind of that development track? And it's pretty obvious yeah. based on how you give freshmen a few more minutes here and yeah. there, and then they've already this season, you've seen 
players kind of build that playing time yeah. as the season goes on and you can tell they're kind of building toward a bigger role next year. Yeah. For you this year, mm-hmm. who has kind of been a few of the, maybe not a surprise, but a surprise type player where they've really stepped up from where they were or yeah. they're especially considering, you know, last year or seasons past. Yeah. You know, I think uh, Emily Peterson for sure um, has, has been absolutely huge. Like not, uh, not only has she, like just good um but the kid is one of the most composed human beings that you'll ever come across and so to to bring that into the back line and you know we going into last spring we didn't think it was going to be as a center back and all of a sudden we're like oh my god this is our center back you know and this is this is what she's going to be and you know um she's been super super durable uh which is which has been great and um as good as she is, we still have to remind her that she's that good. You know, like she's so super humble, and and I think that that's uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, Megan Koenig uh, to to step into a starting role as a um, as a as a senior. Uh, you know, who's been kind of waiting for the opportunity and to seize that opportunity. I think has has been great, and you know, I think Athena um, under kind of the tutelage of those three is coming pretty pretty far pretty fast which is which is awesome to see uh maddie castro has been a a pleasant surprise this year you know a kid who last year we we had conversations with her about man i don't even know where you're gonna fit into the the picture moving forward um you know she in the in the spring she was competing in the back and you know we brought her in as kind of an attacking player and we really we didn't know there's limitations and there's there's these hesitations and uh we came in and early in the in the season we're like well she's getting beat out in the in the back by some of these other other players let's just throw her in up uh up front and see see what happens and I mean the kids scored the first goal against Rutgers you know uh and she's a she's a kid who there's no pretenses about her you know um I, I think with with her whether she plays 10 minutes in a game or she plays, you know, 30 to 45 minutes in a game, she's going to give you every ounce of what she has each time out. And, um, and, and that's pretty, that's pretty special because, you know, there's, there's a lot of players, um, who probably have a lot more raw talent, uh, raw physical ability. Um, yet some of the ones who just start to really understand who they are, and play within themselves rather than trying to mimic other players who might be playing ahead of them uh, are the players who find themselves in that kind of role that Matty Castro finds herself in right now. So, And, I mean, you, the team has clearly, even from the beginning, even though really early the team was playing well, there was pretty significant wins, pretty composed. Right from the beginning, it was a really entertaining brand. But you see even the difference from week one to now, even when you watch the games, it's it's even crisper. It's mm-hmm. a little bit it's a little bit sharper. The passes are always are always pretty much online. There's really good movement. There's less of those big giant holes that yeah. we talked about in the beginning, where yeah. you know that kind of center of the field could get empty with those people playing so wide. Yeah. Um, what are you looking for out of the team going into kind of the final six matches <laughs> to be prepared for a Big Ten tournament type? Um, competition. Yeah, we were. I mean, we were actually talking about that in the office today when we were uh, when we were talking about training this week and and looking ahead of. Yeah, we're we're pretty happy with with where we are and the growth that we continue to see, and we're not 
we're not reinventing the wheel week to week. We're just, um, we're hitting the same things in different ways to where it still, it seems fresh, but it's the same ideas being, uh, being hammered in. And so like, you know, when, when I watched the film back, uh, from the Maryland game on, on Sunday, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I thought I was going to be like really frustrated and, and stuff because, you know, I walked away from the game just going, man, you know, we, we just weren't as good as I'm used to us being. Um, and when I watch it back, I'm like, okay, we've got the players where they need, like players are still where they need to be. We're still getting the numbers in the flank. We're still like, everything was there. It was just a Sunday game after playing a ranked opponent on on Friday. It wasn't necessarily as crisp and sharp overall, but there was nothing bad about the performance. Like you can still pull up multiple places where we're seven plus string passes and things like things like that. It just felt different because it was a Sunday mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And so we we looked at it because we're like, are we missing anything? Is there anything that we've got to uh, that, that we've got to add or, you know, and, and the big thing is we just have to continue to tweak what we already do. Like, I think it's, we, we have a pretty clear brand that works for the players that we have. Um, and when it's executed at the highest level, it's, I think it's pretty incredible. And so we just have to continue to do things to keep them, uh, to keep the players feeling confident and, um, and executing at a, at a really high level. You know, I think, you know, there was a, a period there where people were concerned about, uh, about us, uh, the consistency of our scoring. And, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't stray. We didn't panic. Um, we just stayed the course, uh, got some additional reps in a different way. And, you know, we've been, we've been scoring consistently. So we're, we're happy on a whole with where we are. And you've had that a few times after after games when you've mentioned that when you watch the tape back, yeah. you end up feeling better than what it felt like the day of. And so in a way, you're kind of talking about the process is there. They're taking the right yeah. steps. We're in the right position. We just have to be maybe a little bit patient. Mm-hmm. But how does that kind of thinking tie into something you you kind of talked with with the squad and they've talked with when they're on like the you know the gopher show on the on the station and stuff with the take the stairs yeah and that kind of team mentality talk a little bit about that and how that plays into believing in that process believing in if you take the right steps if you are if you are doing these things consistently you will get to a place of excellence well I I look at it and you know I, I think I thought it was staggering the other day when uh, when I heard that we had 14 different players who have scored goals and stuff. You know, um, I mean that's just that's ridiculous. Like most teams don't even play that many players on a consistent basis. And so, you know, like the the first, uh, I mean the the base foundation of everything that we do is that selfless mentality. And you know, um, I, again, I just mentioned Matty Castro um, as a, as a kid who kind of epitomizes that and scores a goal in the biggest game of the year to this to this point. Um, and it's never about how many minutes. It's never about like anything other than am I positively impacting the team every every time that I have an opportunity. And and she's getting the opportunity because of what she's doing on days like today. You know, when when you come out to training, you're being evaluated every single every single day, and you're earning it every single day. And I think that. Uh, we've got a great deal of buy-in about that. I mean, you look and you know, Kelly and Jay, 
who are best friends and live together, you know, they've just flipped roles where, you know, for the first part of the season, Kelly was starting and Jay was coming off of, off of the bench and providing that spark. And well, Jay got to a point where she was starting to score goals pretty consistently to where we said, Hey, you know, let's see, let's see if we shake up the, the lineup in that way. And Kelly didn't bat an eyelash. Kelly, you know, I met with Kelly before training when we were going to, uh, when I knew that we were going to lay that out just to give her the heads up because you don't like kids to be, you know, surprised. And her first response was just to look me in the eye and say, I think she's earned it. You know, what do you need from me? And, and stuff. So it's like it, from, from the team first piece of it, I think when you have that, everything else is just easy. You know, um, we, we talk about mentality. We talk about every, every time that you come out is an opportunity to compete, to grow and to, and to get better. And, Again, you watch our training day to day and the level at which they compete with one another. Um, it's it's what prepares us for games on the on the weekend. The preparation piece gets harder as the season goes, right? The preparation of we're at a midterm week. I mean, I'm sick right now, you know, and like there's sometimes where you don't like things happen and it happens when you brag about not getting sick. Um, but things things happen and uh you know, you do your best to control everything that you can to be able to give everything that you can for, for the team. So, you know, you, you knew this was midterm week. So if you're finding yourself staying up all night and pulling all-nighters to get stuff done, you haven't been taking care of the, the things that you can control. And, I mean, we hit them over the head with that from a preparation standpoint. Our, uh, our nutritionist just sent out... Um, a text to everybody today uh, just about fueling and hydrating. Um, even though it's colder, fluids are still important. Clear eyes, full stomach and stuff. You know, like we're all of the pieces that they can control, they're going to. And then that final that final step of elevating, of taking that next step, uh, more often than not, you're seeing kids come out early to, to do stuff, staying late to do stuff, coming by the offices to watch film throughout the day doing film in here, down in the locker room, wherever it is, they're always trying to do something to, to get that extra edge. And, you know, a lot of times you see that from kind of the, the, that bottom group who's trying to close a gap. When you're seeing that from the top group, now you know you have to get more from that bottom group to close that gap and to be where, where they need to be. But when it's your, when it's kind of the that group that's already where everybody else is trying to strive to get, something good is going on, you know. And that's that's the thing that I think is uh, is is fantastic about this group is we're we're not satisfied, you know, and we we do feel like we always have something to to prove. And that's part of what I love about being here. And this weekend, rock the Robbie, tickets are a buck. But are we also going to see things like take the stairs gear? I mean, I feel like <laughs> row the boat has been vomited on every piece I of merch know. in the entire world. Are we going to see like a great take the stairs merch by the end of the year? Is it going to be this weekend? You know, we haven't. That, uh, SJ? <laughs> I mean, it's not something that, like, like gotta, for me... you got to do a Twitter poll. People will buy it. Yeah, for me, it's like, I mean... don't have the money to just buy it, and then what yeah. if they don't want it? It's such a, like, it's, it's such an internal thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not something that I necessarily want everybody all, all about, you know? Like, you go into our locker room, and, and it's, 
it's there, it's special, it's sacred. I mean, every time, I don't know if you've been down there or not, but, you know, you've got the, the four steps all, that's that's surrounding the upper part of the lockers. And then, you know, when you leave the locker room to go out to the to the field, that, that door is opportunity and stuff. So every time you leave the locker room, that's your opportunity. So it's, it's more of a of an internal thing. We don't need everybody on the external, like, you, you, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> well, and what's and the, my, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's us, for the team. You know? Yeah. It's for yeah. The team. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so coming up this weekend, what are you looking for on Friday? What are you looking for on Sunday? And, and for people maybe who haven't, who maybe read 55.1 or listen to the podcast and haven't come to a game, what are they going to see when they come out Friday or come out Sunday this weekend? Well, why haven't they come yet? Um, <laughs> that's the question. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, we're, we're coming off of a great road win, um, you know, where you sweep on the road. It's hard to win games in the Big Ten, but to win two in a row on the road, one against a, a ranked opponent, um, speaks volumes to where where these kids are, are at. And, you know, Indiana um, is certainly much, much improved from where they were last year. Um, you know, but we also believe that we're much improved from where we were last year, and I think you're you're going to see a team that uh, that's striving to to win this thing. You know, you're you're going to see a team that's very committed to uh, to a specific way of of playing. You're going to see a team that is relentless against its opponent on both sides of the ball, uh, and that's really going to fight with and for one another for however long it takes to to find a way to to win the thing. So. Um, it's they they feed off of the crowd you know i think our our team in in a lot of ways is very cognizant of what uh what that energy that that they're getting from the from the stands is like and uh the more we get the the more fun the the singing game is is going to be and uh you know hopefully hopefully we can break a, an attendance record i would love to expand the stadium here so the more that we fill it the easier that fight becomes from from our end so i would appreciate to, like, I would love to get this thing wrapped around the three sides, so uh, so people come out and and support these kids. They uh, they'll make it worth your time. <laughs> All right, thanks so much, Stephanie. And that's that's going to be it for us. Um, remember, the Gophers play on Friday night at Elizabeth Lyle Robbie Stadium in St. Paul, and then they play again on Sunday. Two big games. They're on a three-game win streak. So uh, get out and catch the Gophers. <laughs>